You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For Kia, the Kia Sportage has been crowned Drive Car of the Year. See it at kia.com.au. This is Sports Day with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews. Campisi! Kleinman! Campisi! Can he get there? Beating Dacing! They won't catch him! Another Australian try! A record score against Scotland! Can he get there? What a stupid rhetorical question that was <laughs> by Gordon Bray. Of course he can get there. The legend himself, David Campisi, joining us on the line now on Sports Day. Campo, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for the invitation, guys. It's been obviously a long time, but yeah, I finally get to speak to you. Yeah, and I, I'm a little bit disappointed tonight because we're talking to you without our our colleague and co-host, Gary Belcher, in the studio. No doubt you boys tore up Canberra in the late 80s. And I'll get to that uh, real real soon. Um, of course, uh, David Campisi AM was inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame in 1997 as an athlete member for his contribution, of course, to rugby. 101 Wallabies caps, Sats. Incredible. And and uh, from a Queensland point of view, and I know David's not a Queenslander, but there's going to be two more inductees happening this week, and they're Queenslanders. So we thought, let's get an inductee on and, and see and see what it's like to be in the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Capo, has it changed your life at all? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it that, must be that nice, was in though. 97, guys. It was, uh, it was a long time ago. But... Um, look, obviously, it's a great, it was a great honour. You don't, you know, as you know, I played most of my year in the amateur era, so there was it was just really for the fun of the game, love of the game we played, and rewards. I mean, you, you don't ask for them. People nominate you, you know, you just go along with the flow basically. And if they you get accepted, it's a it's a great uh, privilege, especially see when you see all the the other sports people in Australia that uh, actually made the Hall of Fame. Uh, it actually makes it, um, you know, something to look back on. And that was going to be my next question, Campo. It's, it's great recognition for what was, you know, as a leaguey growing up, you made me watch rugby union. Yep. And um, and that's a pretty powerful uh, position to play um, with a cross-code uh, uh, fan. Now, when you talk about some of those other inductees that, that are in the Sporting Hall of Fame, do you look across at some of those names and scratch yourself and say, well, and who is some of those athletes that you think, oh, I can't believe I'm in the same in the same room as those sort of people when it comes to, you know, being inducted in such a prestigious award? Yeah, look, I think it's, as a as a kid growing up, you know, I mean, I was grew up in Queen, been 21,000 people. My old man was Italian, had no idea in sport at all, had no idea about it, just had his grapes and his chooks and veggies in the backyard and, <laughs> you know, went off and played league most of my life. Uh, won a golf championship at 15, bit of Aussie rules, bit of cricket. And I ended up playing rugby, which was bizarre because going to a government school, rugby never really existed. 
and then you sort of, you know, you come up the ranks and you get the opportunity to travel the world. You meet the Queen, Buckingham Palace twice. You know, you meet people around the world. Lived in South Africa, lived in Italy. You know, and then you uh, then you have a look at the, the 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 Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, and then you watch all these athletes and. And then you look and you're part of, you know, what, what they've been inducted into as well. It's, it's a great honour. And um, it's obviously a great... Um, it's just one of those things in life you you don't play for, as you know. You just go and play sport and, you know, it's just it's just something that you can look back and tell your kids, you know, that I was, you know, once uh, we, we won a lot of things and, we were, you know, people sort of thought, well, you know, these guys deserve to be in a, in a sort of Hall of Fame and that's how it happens. You talk about some of those sports that you... You, know, you you played throughout your teenage years. What was the sliding door moment? Was, was there any sliding door moment? I'm sure you've told this story on a number of occasions, but just for our listeners that haven't heard it, of why of why it ended up being coming rugby union and not rugby league or some other sport? Uh, do you really want to t- me to tell you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, obviously, uh, it's quite interesting. It's my nephew Terry. Yes. Um, if you have a word to him, and he's exactly the opposite to me, so I'll tell you. Uh, 16, uh, played the uh, Rugby League Grand Final. Uh, there was a great uh, number seven called Stevie Hewson. I don't know if you remember. He used to wear boxing boots as a halfback. Uh, he was our coach. And we lost the uh, the Grand Final, so they blamed me. And I said, I, I'm not going to handle this. Uh, the next year, went over to watch fourth grade rugby union. And I watched him after the game. I said to the coach, Janita, uh, the fullback, and I started. That was it. That's it. Off I went. Wow. So that, yeah, that was in 1979. Uh, played for the Wallabies in 82. And uh, obviously been down in Queenby and uh, the Raiders decided to come to town and we used to play a game called touch football, not like now, with against Mal Meninga and the boys and it wasn't touch. <laughs> it was just smash. <laughs> and there was a guy who had a moustache and still has a moustache. I think it was Gary Belcher. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, you go back a long way, and there's the boys there. So yeah, it was great to to be around that as well. And it was just something, you know, just to meet all the guys in different sports, and you just get to know them over the years. And you know, it was just one of those things. Luckily, at that level, you you get to know and meet, and you know, become friends with uh, guys from other sports. Speaking of Mal Meninga. Gary Belcher. Now, Badger's not here. He's on. He's surfing somewhere in Indonesia at the moment, David. If you rocked up, the three of you rocked up at the door at the private bin in Canberra. We're talking about the heyday of the late 80s where you're, you're all superstars. Who, who's who got the uh, VIP membership? Is it yourself, Mao, or Badge? Or Ricky. Or well, Ricky. I, was, I, I never used to drink, see? No, well, yeah, I mean, Ricky would do some very strange things if he got in there. Um <laughs> But we, uh, I never used to drink, so I was playing for the Wallabies in 1982 and I was drinking orange juice. So I think Mal and the boys were a bit, bit, uh, bit stronger alcoholic drinkers than me. But uh, I never, I used to, the only time I went to the private bin, I took some drunken mates out and I got someone ran me from behind at the lights. So that was the last time I went oh out God. to the private bin. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I mentioned that then. The Australian <laughs> Grand Slam side that toured Great Britain in 1984. David, was that, was that the greatest moment in your rugby career? We went undefeated. Yeah, look, it was it was it was hard because coming you know starting eighty two, going to New Zealand, playing the All Blacks uh, in three tests, and we we won the second test. You know, not many people have beaten the All Blacks, and I was there at nineteen years old beating them. Um, and then obviously the Grand Slam. Look, you know, to me, it's just another opportunity to play for your country. 
I was so, so excited. I hung around the yellows. I saw these guys think, geez, they're good. I'll, I want to be like those guys. And, uh, yeah, we, I think we were fortunate. We had coaches uh, that allowed the players to play a style of rugby. You know, as long as we had the skills, we could not do what we wanted to do, but we realised that we had to entertain, especially in Australia when you've got rugby league and Aussie rules so dominant, you had to had to play a style of rugby that people wanted to come and watch. And, and I think that Grand Slam sort of started. And then, obviously, you know, you got the 86 uh, Bledisloe Cup, which... Uh, the last time we beat the All Blacks at Eden mm. Park, and then obviously the World Cup '91. So it sort of carried on for about 10, 12 years, and and unfortunately, it's uh, it's nowhere near where it should be at the moment. Well, the Wallabies about to embark on that spring tour, like you did in 1984, and and Alan Jones was the coach of that tour. He replaced Bob Dwyer, I think, from memory. Did he look at rugby in a completely yep. different uh, um, stratosphere than what any other coach did? Yeah, Alan was. Uh, look, when you when you're a player, you learn. You guys probably know as well. You know, you get different coaches. You learn different things from different coaches. They're all got good and bad points. Alan was more of a uh, not a motivator. He just sort of. I spoke to him yesterday. Actually, he was saying what he tried to do was give the players the skills. You know, he had Mark Eller run the back line, which wasn't a bad coach. Mm. Um, but but that's what I mean. Those days, the coaches gave players the power. Now it's all from the coach's box in the, on the uh, sideline. You've got so many runners and they're talking to players all the time. You know, nowadays we had to make decisions, you know, and I think Alan realised that. And if you have a look at that team, you know, it was the first time ever I think we did a pushover try against Wales. Um, and in previous years, the Wallabies really didn't have a, a, a very good scrum, but that scrum sort of dominated and that sort of sent us on the... Uh, I suppose, the 12 years of uh, the great run down the track. What changes would you make to the Wallabies at the moment? And, and I'm, Maybe players, maybe uh, how they play, playing style. Um, is there anything, any improvements you'd like to see in the Wallabies at the moment, David? Uh, how, how long you got? <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I've, I've been very critical of uh, Dave Rennie. Um, I still I keep on asking the question: Can you explain to us <clears throat> what style of rugby are we trying to play? Because we've got two good wingers who don't get the ball. Uh, we've got a good fullback, but there's no opportunities, and uh, it's just, it is frustrating. I just get you know, so frustrated watching because these players have got so many good skills, but under pressure they just can't handle. They just give silly penalties away. You know, and I think that All Black game in Melbourne sort of proved as well where a lot of controversy about the ref. But if you look at the laws, you know, in that game, Foley was warned three times by the referee. And, mm. you know, what happened at the end there, well, that you, sometimes you've got to know the laws of the game as well. And you can't go blame the referee when you lose. Uh, you got to look at yourself. And then a week later, we get by, beat by 40. Like, it's, we, we just haven't got that mongrel. You know, I mean, you guys played in the day. I mean, there's some tough guys around, and every week they get just turn up and play. You know, you can't rely on last week's game to get you through the next week. And I think, for me, I'd really love to have an Australian coach because he understands our culture. He understands the way we want to play. You know, you won't get New Zealand getting an Aussie or a Kiwi coach, uh, sorry, New, or South African, or you won't get a South African getting a um, Aussie coach. But we in Australia here, we love getting coaches from overseas that doesn't really understand our, our way of playing. We've got some really good young talent, but, you know, I watched the Australia 8 versus Japan, 
you know, if you have a look at that, I mean, why don't they run the ball, try different things and give the guys the skills to be adventurous? But unfortunately, we're, we're in this this uh, era of so much robotic play. You're told what to do. I've got my son uh, in my car now. We're just driving to Brisbane to um, for cricket training. And he played the uh, the Queensland Reds under 15 trials. And um, I watched him train for two days. And not one coach taught them anything. All they did was tell them how to play. There was no, this is what you should be doing. Are you happy here? I just noticed you run the wrong, ang- wrong run in the wrong angle. But there's no coaching. They just stand there and just tell you how to play. That's it. David Campini. How the young kids are. How are you supposed to learn? If Rennie's not the answer, then yeah. is there a coach currently in Australia you'd like to see have a crack at coaching the Wallabies? Look, I, I think it's a bit late now because of the World Cup, but I think that um, Laurie Fisher would probably be the best at the moment. He's been around a long time, um, and unfortunately, you know, you guys might you know talk about league as well, where all the coaches are really very similar. Um, and you know what we need is someone, and it's interesting. I don't know about in league, but in rugby, I think 99.9% of the coaches are all forwards. Because all the backs are in stock exchange and lawyers and all that. It's a bit of a difference. So, and forwards, forwards love lineouts and scrums and kicking the crap out of the ball. Um, there's not too many backs around these days. But um, look, I, I think we 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 should have learned many years ago. And I said after 2019 Rugby World Cup. We should have set up, you know, even with Michael Checker, love him or hate him, get him involved and say, right, you know, you're going to have to look for four or five really good young coaches in Australia, put them through their paces. So we've got a system of coaches coming through. Every coach in rugby has got to go overseas to prove himself, and when they do, we buy him back. Mm. And they come back and they still they play in a style of rugby that's not Australia. They play the same style, you know. We, we used to have a fantastic back line. We used to counter-attack from everywhere. We had the skills to do that, but we've seen to have lost that. And I think it's because of knowledge. Knowledge hasn't been passed on from old guys like us. Have we got the players, Campo? Have we got the players to be able to execute that style of play? Not not anymore. I think player education has been the biggest problem. That we've, we, we haven't had coaches going around coaching coaches. Mm. Um, and the players, you know, I can name a couple of players, but I won't. And some of them, the skill factor, I mean, really, you, you need to have better skills to play at that top level. And it is frustrating when you watch. And, you know, it's about team. When you get to an international level, everyone's got to be on the same uh, page. Everyone's got to think the same. And you've got to start helping each other out. It's not about individuals at that level. You know, it's about trying to you do your best for your country. And, and you're playing for all the supporters and and uh, all the fans at home who, who love the game. Now, before we let you go, uh, one of the great spectacles in, in rugby union over many, many decades, of course, has been the All Blacks' Harker. Now, 2011, uh, the the final against France, they they challenged the Harker with their, their arrow formation, and now we see the, the Wallabies starting to form what they call a boomerang now as the Harker is being performed. Um, many have criticised Australia. Many have applauded it. What do you think? Do you think it's, it's play on, fair game? Yeah, look, I think I've I, I played the All Blacks 29 times, so I faced it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And 2091 World Cup, I actually didn't face the Harker. I was kicking the ball around in the semi-final of the Rugby World Cup because we weren't told what we should do. You know, the, the coach said, listen, just go, if you feel comfortable, do something, do something. So I kicked the ball around. 
Look, I think it's great for the game. People want to see it. But I really think the All Blacks have got to either do it at home, um, not away, because even in Australia, if you do the Harka, I mean, there's more Kiwis watching the game than bloody Australians. So mm. it's actually like a home game to Um So, look, if people want to do whatever they want to do, great. I think that Australia did it because England did it in the World Cup 2019 and beat uh, New Zealand. So I think everyone's trying different things. I, the only way to beat the All Blacks is give 80 minutes of your best rugby and at the end of the game, make sure you're, you're in front of them. That's the only way you're going to beat them. It's not going to be because you do a boomerang. <laughs> David Campisi, we could talk to you all night. We wanted to say congratulations on being inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know. We're 25 years late. Uh, we're a bit slow around these parts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, wish, we wish those being inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame uh, tomorrow at the Royal Queensland Golf Club. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your time on Sports Day, mate. You're welcome, guys, anytime. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.